named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Worrell. Um, my co-host is not with me today, unfortunately. I mentioned last week that it was Sam's penultimate episode of the year last week. Today was supposed to be his last, but unfortunately... Um, he is in a hotel ready to fly back to Australia. Sam's going home um, to see his family for the first time in two years. So he's having a couple of months over in Australia. And he was going to record today's podcast from the hotel room before they get on the flight, which I always thought was quite a brave step. But he's had a really bad night with, with the baby. So he just asked me this morning if I could speak to today's guest solo um so we won't be hearing from sam hunter again um this year unfortunately but i have got a fantastic guest host lined up who is going to be coming on the show from next week so keep your eyes peeled for that and, and without further ado uh, i wish sam and his family a safe flight and i'm just going to dive in and introduce today's guest today's guest has been in the property industry for coming up to 10 years He's one of the many agents leading the change of self-employed across the UK and splits his time between both training agents and selling million pound homes along the river in central London. He's operating principal of Keller Williams London Bridge. Chris Buckler, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Yeah, well, I have, I have seen some of these fantastic homes along the river in uh, in central London, to be fair. So, um well, yeah. I'm, having, I'm having a problem with one of them. But, John, you know, it's good fun. It's, I think it's nice to not be the guy that kind of coaches and trains the agents but stays on the tours, tours as well. Um, and I've missed it. I, I wasn't really on the tours properly. I'd sold uh, my own, you know, homes or some buy-to-lets or developments or something. But actually going out, pitching, um, doing it, and going through the, the process again um, and showing agents that, listen, it can be done and you can get decent fees... Um, it's it yeah it just excites me it really really does when I get back home my wife's like you look like you've had so much fun I was like yeah I've won you know, I've won another one so so yeah it's all good <laughs> so yeah and we get yeah. to funky videos and and we listen I'm not trying to plug you guys straight away but I've got a huge home search campaign going out we bespoke the PDF and I expect to get some more sexy properties on the river um, just from that uh, lead gen slash marketing activity alone so so there we go there's the plug and you didn't even ask me to say it. <laughs> and he's not even here either so um he'll be he'll be well happy as he listens to us on his on his flight no doubt and um, we always start with the same the same question chris i'll come back to um staying on the tools because i i think you know if you if you enjoy this job you probably still in, enjoy that part of it but um we always start with the, the question that the podcast is named after so chris what does world-class estate agency look like to you for me it's fiduciary relationships so putting your clients needs above your own so not stacking them high and selling them low, uh, slow playing someone on, on a deal, not just getting, you know, just coming up to the end of the month and we need some exchanges or SSTCs in place so we, we get deals accepted that 
if it was our brother, sister, mother, uncle, cousin, we wouldn't, right? We'd spend the extra few days. We'd do the extra piece of due diligence and ultimately decent fees as well, because to offer the level of service we want to offer or, or the, that my guys offer or that many of the self-employed agents offer, agents offer, you can't do it at 1%. It just doesn't stack. So for me, it's decent fees, but earning that amount. And, you know, the difference between half, half percent, quarter percent, if you're bespoke fiduciary and world-class, if you can't out-negotiate, out-service um, another agent based on, on your individual world-class model, then, then you're in the wrong game. So for me, fiduciary relationship, putting the client's needs first and going to war to get the best price the market will allow and acting in a way that Australian agents, American agents, um, a lot more of the uh, agents outside of the UK do. And I'll probably get slammed a little bit for that, but that's that's what world-class means to me. Yeah, so we talk, we talk on this show about taking inspiration from um, other countries and we're going to talk about fees and why agents in this country don't charge those, those decent fees. But before we go into that, can you just explain to me and just sort of go a little bit deeper because what you said there is charging decent, fee, decent fees but also earning that amount. So can you talk us through a couple of examples of how you think estate agents can earn that fee? Because it's not just as simple, is it, as just putting your fee up and then just charging more. I absolutely agree with you. You've got to earn that amount. But how do you think a couple of sort of practical ways that you earn your fees are? Sure. So, I mean, there's so, there's, there's so many different ways. And the biggest, uh, we might go into fees straight away, but the biggest limiting belief I hear from agents is, oh, I can't do it in my town or that wouldn't stack, but but they don't try. So if I was to reverse back maybe one step before and then answer the question, gosh, I sound like a politician. Um, how many <laughs> agents uh, practice on the public versus practicing with their, their staff, their employees, <clears throat> their coach, their mentor? So we script practice a couple of times a week in the business um, and the best agents I know script practice across the world every single day down to if they're going to put an, uh, an offer in, they'll practice that. If they're um, how to get decent fees, how to isolate and overcome objections, it's pure um, NLP. There's, there's all beha it's, it's behavioral science. So actually getting the high fee um, before you earn it, and I'll come on to earning it for me is removing those limiting beliefs and the best, I always say, if Ryan Serhant was to come to London tomorrow, would he be able to go and get 3% on any listing? Yeah, I genuinely believe he would do. Um, even if people didn't know who he was, because he's so articulate. He's, he's the way he carries himself, um, his playbook, if you like, the way he runs his business is full of scripts that are, again, going back to the theme of world-class, meaning that actually in the absence of value, fee comes into play, well, the amount of value you can bring by just tweaking your value proposition ever so slightly means that you can go up from one to one and a quarter to one and a half. And this is what we, we specialize in, or I certainly specialize in with my agents of how to increase the value, but also increase the fee alongside. And actually, if, you're, if you can't negotiate on your fee, how are you going to negotiate on probably the biggest asset for the client, right? It's, it's, and that's a line we use. Um, you know, what did the other agents start? Oh, well, they started at one and a half percent, but well, what did they drop to? Well, they dropped to one percent really easily. Well, I appreciate that, Mr. Vendor, but do you want a Rottweiler in your corner going to war to get the breast price the market will allow, or someone that can't negotiate on your own money? Oh, now you've put it like that, Chris. What are you what do you charge? Two percent, 
you know, don't move, don't blink. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of scripts. So getting high fees for me, if agents script practice, they work out their, their value proposition, which we'll, we'll move on to shortly and, and know their worth. It's easy. Now, one, one thing, final thing to jump on this is um, in, let's pick the stakes, right? You get 3% um, on the sales side, 3% on the buy side. So there's a potential there for 6%. But actually the agents in the US do so much more. They write the contracts, right? They don't just agree, sold to the contract, fling a hospital pass over to the conveyancer. They, they do so much more. So actually the ability to earn wealth in, in state agency, in the self-employed model, if you have your correct structure set up, is, is at another level. And we've got, Listen, there's loads of great models. This isn't, a, this isn't, I don't want to plug Ken Williams, but if I'm talking about my business, we've taken agents that maybe came on, said, right, well, I'll start on a lower fee. And we always beat them up. When you start your business, oh, it's friends or family. No, no, you go for a high fee and you know your worth because people don't decide their futures, they decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. One of my favorite phrases from a guy called, um, quotes, FM Alexander. So you have to set, set your stall out correctly. And we've got agents now that say, came on, maybe we made some mistakes early on, but they don't get out of bed for less than 2%. And that's not meant to come across in the way it sounds. It's meant to emphasize the point of great service people will pay for. And people are actually crying out for it in the UK. Estate agents aren't liked. You know, you go to a bar, Christmas party, et cetera. Everyone dreads that conversation because everyone goes, oh, okay. Um, but actually, if you turn up and you're, you genuinely believe you're world-class and you are world-class, it makes for, for a very different story. Now, um, again, the right systems and models. We've got agents, it's in my business, that are bringing home, you know, figures that start with a two or three and it's not 20 or 30 grand, right? Because they have decent fees, the value proposition and the team to back it up. So to answer your question, we'll move on now to how do you do it? Well, it completely depends what, what do you offer that the other agents don't, right? Do you have a mystery shop, the other agents in your town? Do you see what they offer? Have you done surveys working out what do my clients want, right? What, what value proposition could I bring? So um, one of the ones with Keller Williams, right? We're coming to 200,000 agents worldwide. We're in I think, 55 countries each time I, I say it. Um, we open another country or another region. But let's say I'm going to pitch for those posh properties on the river. I'm saying, listen, we, we have offices in New York, <coughs> LA, Dubai, Marbella, and I can have your, I can have your properties um, in that window tomorrow. And, and funny enough, uh, one I went to pitch for recently, someone said, okay, well, that, that sounds all good, prove it. So I phoned a broker from Dubai, she picked up, lady called Lucy, said, yeah, no worries, I'll get that out to my database and my clients and we can showcase that in the office in Dubai. We'll have that done in the next 48 hours for you, Chris. Client was like, Wow, okay. Fee will not come into play at that point. The other thing is, how good are you at negotiating? Uh, you know, uh, are you, do you just leave it to your neck? How, 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 you know, do you train your necks? Is it just you come on, they listen to a bit of in house training and you say, well, listen, don't put the first offer first, really. Say you've been working hard on it all day and then put the offer in. Do your necks get a war for the vendor to get the best price the market will allow? Do they spot things where it might, might likely fall over? If they do, the difference in that fee is nothing. You'll negotiate, you'll out-negotiate that anyway. And even if you'll struggle with negotiation, you'll get the best price the market will allow, but it's the service on the other side. 
So I, we, we often use the line, right, if I was, Sam's flying home to, to Oz, right, pretty much as we speak, or tomorrow, bless him, he's had some cancelled flights. But is he going to fly the Russian airline Aeroflot or BA or Qantas or whatever? Um, he's going to fly with a decent airline because he's, he's going with his baby girl, right? So if you've got your family on a flight, it's a bit like selling a house. That pilot is going to go over war zones. He's going to avoid tornadoes. He's going to avoid bad weather. All of the stuff that Sam won't see when he's watching his film and eating his Tim Tams, right? That's what that's what Aussie guys eat. But actually, that pilot's got <laughs> such a hard job. So a lot of what the, the vendor doesn't see is what the pilot does from takeoff to landing. And that piece, they're having the time. You know, when I speak to agents that on the uh, certain models, they say, listen, Chris, we, I just don't have the time for sales chase. So I know that one's likely to fall over. If you only sold five to 10 a month, would that fall over? Oh, no, I'll be all over it. I know exactly what we need to do, but I've got 40 exchanges this month, Chris. That's the difference. And if, if you can clearly articulate those stories, again, the difference in half a percent, quarter percent, percent, just it just goes away. I'm really, I'm really interested in, in what you said about negotiating and the fees and all the great um, demonstrations about um, what you really like about the company that you work with. But how do you demonstrate, other than the example that you gave, and maybe you're going to say, well, it's stories that, that sell. But how do you demonstrate that you are willing to go to war for the client and that the you are a better negotiator if the other agent hasn't just dropped the fee on pants without the client even asking them? I'd say, I'd say people buy people. <clears throat> so if I go back to, if I turn up scripted, not when I when I pitch, you can't. I know we're we're doing this on Zoom and the video goes out, right? But I'm not turning up in a shiny suit from next that doesn't fit. Um, you know, I will be. I'll dress appropriately for my client, but it won't be. You know, trainers will work for me, right? <clears throat> Fitted jeans work, a nice shirt. Um, I'm turning up and I'm differentiating myself before I get in there. So when when I sit down, I'm so well versed on the scripts because it's what we teach. Scripts don't allow me to manipulate, they allow me to actively listen. What most agents don't do throughout the pitch, and I see this day in, day out, as they talk for the majority. One of the best listeners I know from the US asks, there's a great book called Asking Great Questions. Um, she reckons she speaks for 10% of the time. And the majority of the focus isn't on, this is what we do, this is how we do it. It's on the why, getting behind the vendor's motivations and asking them, very, very carefully crafted questions so that they they believe in you, not this is what we do. Our fee's one and a half, but listen, we really want one before the end of the month, so we'll do it for one. We'll probably put it as a feature listing and our professional top is great. We can have it live within 48 hours. There's there's I'm gonna side note here. Simon Sinek, start with why. Really, really good book, really, really good TED talk. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And if you can resonate with the vendor on their why for moving and helping them end to end and being genuine and being able to negotiate and being able to use anecdotes and scripts, again, it's, you're going to win the Val. It's, you know, and I didn't really want to say this on the podcast, but it, it's important I get this across. Um, I haven't been on a Val in the last couple of years. I haven't won. 
and I'm not the best agent out there, right? My wife, my wife says to me sometimes, you're a bit of a crap neck. Um, and that's when I get my <laughs> wider team involved, right? Because I was off the tools for so long. But my value proposition there is I, I'll practice it. And, then, you know, I think she's tongue in cheek. Who knows, right? She's an agent as well. Um, but that's not said to impress anyone, but impress upon you the importance of if you've got a world-class playbook, your scripts are absolutely nailed and you genuinely believe in yourself. When I walk in there, and we call it a listing appointment. We're going to take the listing. I'm not going to, I don't give a damn who I'm up against. I couldn't give a, you might have to bleep this out, rat's ass, right? I care about the client and my value proposition. The other thing I will say is, how desperate are you to win it? I walked out of a vow recently on a property, a multi-million pound property, um, because I said to the vendor, when I sat down, I said, three things are going to happen today. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to overexpose your property to get the best price that the market will allow, and you'll instruct me, which is absolutely great. I'm going to do exactly the same thing, and you're going to choose to go with another agent, which is fine. Or if I don't feel I'm your agent of choice, I'll choose to walk away. How does that sound? Straight away, why would you walk away? There's a dynamic shift. There's a power play. Um, and at the end of the valuation, I walked away because he said, you can have a listing. I think you're great, but I want you to list it at X. And I said, as a fiduciary agent, I'm here to sell your property, not market it. And the last thing I want to do is waste your time on mine. Thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Walked away. Next day, he phoned me. Oh, Chris, I've never seen an agent walk out of a vow refusing to take the business. Um, let's do it. Again. At your price. Yeah, at, at the price I said. Right, He did try again. Of course he did. And I just threw, threw another line out. Listen, if... If, if you're telling me what price to go on at, you're a better agent than me. Do you, how many properties have you sold in the last 10 years? Four. Mm-hmm. How many think I've sold? Right? So again, it's, it's, it's being ballsy enough to believe in exactly what you're doing. I guess, I guess the question I'll ask the audience here is uh, not, not how good you think you are, um, you know, how good a, a script or anything. But if you were to honestly write down that on a scale of one to 10, how much do you believe? So I'll ask a couple of questions. How much do you believe that you have the best value proposition on the market? 10 being mine is world class, zero being it's absolutely shocking. Where would you put yourself? Honestly rate that and then and then we'll come back to that in a second. So where is your value proposition? On a scale of one to 10, 10 again being world class. It's like the office, always the same. 10 being world class, um, <laughs> zero being not great. Where would you rate your ability to negotiate uh, or to get a high fee so, so the close right you've done all your pitch but to to get the high fee and then the last one i suppose on a scale of one to ten ten being world class zero being not that good and this is where you need to be really really honest with yourself where would i put myself as a valuer now most this is, i think chris walking did a survey and most people said there were an eight nine or ten but then in the same server, they, I think it was most only win um, a third to a half. So it's like, how do we, I call, I personally call this stuff millimeter improvement. How do we improve our, our pitch on a daily basis, our millimeter improvement to make sure that when we're in the client's home, we're going to win the battle, whether it's a handwritten letter the night before, when you're going out to see Mrs. Singh and you do a nice little WhatsApp video, knowing she's going to send it to Mr. Singh. So when you turn up in the lounge, they know who you are. You've got that differentiating factor. Whether you send a home search report through the night before, right? Um, you don't just turn up with the best price card or Zuka or whatever. What do you do differently? And if, 
if you you know you're looking at threes, five, sixes, tens, whatever, it doesn't matter. What can you do to raise yourself two points? And go and go and just pause the pause the podcast and write down what can we go and do. Um, reach out to me on socials. I'm, I'm happy to help. I you can probably tell I absolutely freaking love this industry and I'm happy to help anyone because because together we we achieve more and we can really raise the bar in this industry. And I think. There's so many small things we can do to, to increase that fee, which allows agents to increase their offering and increase the quality of life. I love, I, I, I love speaking to people like this that are just full of energy about the industry, really passionate. Um, the points about uh, script practice and all, all of that. I heard a quote recently that amateurs practice, amateurs practice till they get it right, professionals practice till they can't get it wrong. And I think that's a really, really... Um, valid quote to what you say because the the pitch practice does not happen anywhere near enough um and i know even within our business we talked about doing it and we've not implemented it and it's something that we need to um go back to i just want to circle back if we can chris about the industry in this country versus the industry overseas. And obviously you mentioned before how many countries you're in and, and what have you, but why do you think UK agents are happy to charge so much, so much less? And what do you think needs to change for agents' reputation to change and the fees to change on that? It's, it's, it's a tough one. There's, there's so many variables that I think again for me it's, it's almost been a bit of a race to the bottom let's stack them high sell them low let's throw it out on right moving super let's do five six fouls a day knowing that we'll win two of those two we'll probably sell one so as long as we're tracking at that rate let's go in the paper the, the industry in my view in the UK um, hasn't evolved and the reason it hasn't evolved in my humble opinion right is now I've never done a real estate and estate exam in my life. I went to do one and a client called and I negotiated a deal back in the day, right? And when I came into a state agency, um, quite crazily, uh, about a decade ago, I opened my own estate agency having never been an estate agent before, right? So I didn't mm -hmm. know how to, to neg, I didn't know, I didn't, my wife would argue I don't know, um, but I didn't know how to do any of that stuff, right? But I came in of, right, where do I get my leads from? Most agencies I see in the UK rely on the corporate machines to give them their leads. Um, and then that churns. So there's no, it, you, you're a cogging machine. He or she who owns the lead owns the business. The second piece is, I hate sound boring, but it's lack of regulation. You know, there's no licensing yeah. here. I've just had an agent do something I think really, really sneaky. And the client may well be liable for two fees. And it's a chunky old fee. We're, we're talking tens of thousands. Now, if there was licensing rather than just TPO guidance, that wouldn't have happened. Unfortunately, I'm gonna to have to now um, claim my fee off the client and he's not gonna be happy about it at all. Um, the reputation potentially of me and the other agency is gonna go down. <laughs> now we might agree something in between, I'm, I'm kind of loath to do so, but I genuinely care about my client and, and them not paying two fees, right? But the other agent will probably get a slap on the wrist maybe hundred quid fine, right? If they were licensed and there was, right, you're going to have to stand up and you may well use your letters like Rick's. Wow. Okay. That's very, very different. So um, I'd say, I'd say not having to generate your own leads 
And the best agents I know go and generate their own leads. Not, um, uh, sorry, I've just had another, another thought come in there. Um, not being regulated, but the kind of final thought on that, this is not being learning based. So if I ask a solicitor, a doctor, an accountant, how many books you read on your, your craft? Oh, Chris, I couldn't tell you, loads, right? How many exams have you done that were meaningful, that led to a meaningful qualification? Well, I've got this, I've got that, I did seven years at med school. It doesn't, you can be 16 years old here, in, right, in the UK, fail all your GCSEs, not that that matters in, in my view, right? Uh, you can still be a great agent without having traditional education, but, but just bear me on this thought. You can get a scooter, get your CBD license. Uh, CBD, what am I talking C, whatever it is. Um, that little license means you can get an L plate and you can go and value someone's property the very next day at 16 years old. That for me is frigging crazy. And yeah. we need to get licensed in this country very, very quickly so that the we aren't seen as shiny suit from next that stack them high, sell them low, we're bandits, we're all the things that people say about state agents. We're a profession that genuinely give a damn and and act with integrity. I couldn't agree more. Bring it on, it can't come soon enough as far as I'm I'm concerned. Um I know that you are big into accountability, Chris. Can you just walk us through how important you think having a coach, having a mentor, having an accountability partner is for any agent in any business in this country at the moment? I couldn't, I couldn't highlight or emphasise enough the importance of coaching, right? So um, I'm, I've just recently, well, I'm in the process of switching my coach, but I try and have a coach in every area of my life. Um, where I want to improve, whether it's a nutritionist, uh, I want to get um, some kind of spiritual coach. I'm doing all these Wim Hof kind of crazy ice baths. Um, I'm part of agents uh, together, and that's you know that's that's been incredible. But for me, why would you not? Let's say I was to charge you, Mark. Um, you're you're setting up your own agent. I'm going to charge you a grand a month. You're like that's twelve grand. Well, the way I look at this is. Are you going to get 36 grand worth of fees back from quid you spend? Are you going to get 36 grand back? Um, uh, sorry, every pound you spend, are you going to get three pound back? That's the way I look at it. If I look at my trajectory, um, where I want to go <clears throat> and the Keller Williams environment, why would you not learn for, from someone's mistakes that have ran their own agencies for, for all those years, right? Have been through the pitfalls you've been through, um, have helped you negotiate on certain things. Even now, I know the right answer to this fee dispute I've got, but having someone in my world that can ask me the right questions and talk me through it, wow, right? And that's, you know, it's a, it's a, like I say, it's a, it's a chunky old fee, but why not? I, I call it fail forward, fail fast, fail often. And yeah. we, we talk a lot about standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, it's in a really good book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And it's Einstein basically yeah. saying, I only got there as quick as I did because of all those before me that I learned from. The second piece is, so, so again, uh, learning proven systems and models to throw your business on steroids. That's what coaching and mentoring is. It also allows you to evolve as a business person and an agent. Really, really important. Yep. The best business people I know in any industry all have coaches and mentors and they pay through their nose for them, but they see it as one of the best investments they could have. The second bit, and we're, we're huge on this at Keller Williams because um, again, I don't want to plug Keller or Home Search, but uh, it's important for me that 
that I do get one thing across is the reason I chose Keller Williams and I remain loyal to Keller Williams is the, we teach people how to be business owners, not just self-employed agents. And there's a huge freaking difference. We're not the cheapest, right? People go, oh, well, that model charges X. Go to that model, right? If you want to run a really big business like Michael Bailey, Justin Bode, Josh Smith, Simon Hill, I could go on and on and on where they have their own brand. They have their own team. They follow the Keller systems and model. They earn, you know, they play red light, green light. They can understand the P&L. They have a budget model, an organization model. They have accountability. That's what we bring. But I hold my top um, agents accountable every Friday. We, we, we joke, it's very American, but accountability is the breakfast of champions. And here's why accountability works, right? So I, prime example, um, my PT, right? I have to send him a weight and a, a, a topless picture every Friday, right? At eight o'clock in the morning. Now, I know each time it's like, oh, shall I go for a beer or shall I grab that burger or shall I not track, right? My reticular activation system, my RAS, is like going, nope, you've got that. So do I want to turn up and him have a bit of a go at me or say, you look a bit tubby, buddy, or you didn't do X, Y, and Z, or you, you haven't achieved this week? No. People will take food off their own plate far quicker than they will off someone else's. And so my, <clears throat> my guys now know that every Friday they're getting either a bee sting or we're looking at how they can improve their business, but they have to show up every time. And by showing up, it changes the way they do things. And by me asking them the right questions, they fully restructure the next week. You said one thing, Mark, that I was going to message you about after this. You said, no, I know it's one thing that we should do and, you know, scripts and frigging time block it, right? Put it in your diary. And if it's not in your diary, it doesn't exist. But do that literally soon as you get up. Do it now, right? Live on air, I don't care. Just, just, just freaking do it and, and make sure it works. And if, if, you know, we'll look at agents' diaries, does that diary lead to the success they want? Does their one-page business plan that we call a one, three, five, is that reflected in their, in, in their diary? And what are they spending their time doing? There's a really good law called the Preto Law, Preto Efficiency, um, done by an uh, Italian economist looking at wealth distribution, saying that 20% of the wealth is owned by 80% of the people. Uh, sorry, 80% of the wealth, there we go, is owned by 20% of the people. And... It, you can trace that into business, you can chase it into nature, you can chase it into everything. And essentially, 20% of what you do gives you 80% of the results. So how do we get you to focus on the 80% and leverage out uh, the 80%, right? For me, if you're, again, difference between self-employed and business owner, if you want to earn 100 grand a year, your average hourly rate is £52.50, right? So should you be, in my view, type booking and viewings? Should you be typing up and I know a lot of people push back here. Should you be typing up sales memos? Should you be doing data um, input? No, you should be lead generating, um, valuing and serving your clients because that's what you should be doing. Everything else which is below a £52.50 rate, and this goes for any business, if you want to earn hundred grand, you should leverage out because it isn't worth your time when you've got positive cash flow to do so, right? So don't just do it from day one. Again, for me, it's, right, let's look at, I'll pick on Michael Bailey because he's a great agent, he won't mind me saying, we'll have an accountability call, it'll be right. Um, this is where we're heading. We want to be the best agent in X, Y, Z. It doesn't matter what the goals are. Did your, diet, did your diary reflect that next week? Fine, so how do we course correct? And then I'll get ahead, you know, two, three months ahead, I said, you need another agent, you need another admin, and then we'll start looking. So it's looking at, from 30,000 feet, looking down on someone's business, saying, hey, listen, this is your goals. This is where you want to get to. 
Are we winning week by week? And, and what do we need to do in order to ensure we hit those? The quickest way, another one of my agents, I've said, listen, go and just recruit agents into your team now. That's the quickest way you'll get to the revenue target you want in 23. You should never do a viewing again. And he was like, what? And people listen to be like, what? But does the very best agent in the world do all their viewings? No, of course they don't, right? So again, if you want to be a business owner, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and get out of your comfort zone. And coaching accountability, proven systems and models of business ownership is very, very different to self-employed agency. And self-employed agency is great. It's fine. People can go out list 10, 15, 20, you know, complete on 10, 15, whatever, earn a brilliant living. And that's absolutely fine. But it's slightly different to what we offer here and what I truly believe. And I'm not saying I'm right, but, but, but Chris Buckler truly believes it's the best way of doing agency. And to answer my question, 100% behind accountability. And um, I saw uh, Michael's obviously in my area. Um, he came on the podcast quite a while ago and spoke, probably about this time last year, and spoke about um, the power of accountability. And I can see his business growing from strength to strength locally. He had his face. He's just put, he's just put a new advert up. I've just come back from the gym and I saw his massive face on the flyover in Pemberton. So if you're listening, Michael, I did see it. It kind of only gone up yesterday. Um, but um, final question, Chris, you can't answer it by saying anything about Keller Williams, by the way, but, yeah. um, and you may, you, may have already, you may have already covered this, but uh, if so, there might be a bit of repetition. But finally, what would be your best tip for any agent who has had an all right year, but wants to double down and take their career to, to a new level next year, wants to, you know, maybe you know, hit that hundred grand a year when they're you know, stuck at 60 or, or what have you? Get a coach. Um, it's really simple, I suppose, and I'll try not to talk for you. Have a clearly defined economic model, which is a, a, a business plan, right? If I want to get to 100 grand a year, how many vows do I need to do? Okay, how many, what ratio, and, and almost break it down, <coughs> excuse me, almost break it down, right? How many vows does that need to be? Okay, how many structures does that need to be? How many sold to the contract? Work out all your ratios and work out slight tweaks. So I'd start on the vow piece. If I'm if I know I need to um, increase, in order to get to 100 grand, I need to increase maybe 10 extra exchanges. Well, yeah. my valuation figure could stay the same, right? But actually, um, it may well be that I just purely focus all my time, effort, and education on making sure I go for 50% through to 70. Yeah. Um, so again, write that down, work out your ratios, have, have, a, have an actual business plan in terms of, the, we call it a one, three, five. So what's your goal? Well, I want to earn 100 grand personally, right? Well, my three priorities and underneath those, what are my five strategies? Again, reach out, have to email you this. But the biggest one for me is time blocking and structuring your day between nine and 12 so you do nothing other than lead generate. How many agents have you know, reach out to their friends and family to check in and do what Michael does, right? Michael saved Santa last year, right? Because something, something happened up in Pentworth and where Santa, Santa couldn't come to see everyone so we got the fire trucks out. He had become a pillar of his community and people, his business is purely, you know, he, he lead generates it and be wrong. He sticks to the systems and the model, but the referrals that guy gets are incredible because he's become um, the local uh, mayor, which Chris Watkins talks about, but you've got to throw that on steroids. So I'll, I'll end with saying I once um, was fortunate enough to, to fly to the States and met 
Um, again, up to 200,000 agents, I think we're coming up to now. Number five um, in Keller Williams. And I know him, he's a really nice guy called Stephen Cooley. He's got billboards everywhere with his face on. And um, if you sell with another agent, he'll send his free removal company. He's got his face all over it. He's, he's, he's an incredible guy. And I won't, it wouldn't be right for me to say what well, this guy earned individually, never mind his, his estate, his team's commission. Um, but I sat down and one of the questions I had, I said, listen, buddy, I said, Stephen, you're at the level now where we talk about buying the vertical. So you've got your team, you've bought the title company, you know, you've got your mortgage company, you've got your removal company, everything that kind of starts into place. I said, surely now you still don't generate between nine and 12 every single day. Like, you know, and he looked at me deadpan and he was like, of course I do. And I was like, yeah, but you don't need to now. He was like, why would I break what makes me number five in this organization? He's like, you can live a business by default or a business by design. His business is by design. He knows his ratios. He knows his, his one-page business plan. He knows exactly what he has to do so that you don't turn up and go, what well, I hear from so many agents speak to me, ah, oh, such a busy week. You didn't list anything. Yeah, but one exchange and he fell over and this and that. Did you own your time or did you let your, your clients? And that's so easy to do in this role isn't it you know you can suddenly your week can have just got away with you if you don't um time block it i've just done it recently this is my schedule and this is you know this is what we're, we're going to going to work to i've now got to find some time in it for pitch practice so that'll be job after after this but it is i think it's so important that you are intentional about how you plan your day plan your week because otherwise the phone can ring you can go out and do a viewing you can go out and do an advice meeting where you're you know, you you drop everything to go and do it because you think it could be a good fee. That is all at the detriment to the longer term business to hit those, you know, those right moves right moves are on the market, whatever leads are still gonna be there at midday. They're not going anywhere. Right? But as soon as you start ringing through them first thing in the morning, what you're not doing in my, again, and people won't agree with this, I'm sure, but you're not owning your time and lead generating. You wanna get from sixty to hundred grand, have a clear plan. Work, know your ratios, educate yourself, and lead generation, lead generate between nine and 12 every day. And Jesus, you'll fly past the 100. But you have to commit to it. And you have to have someone who's going to hold you accountable to it. And if you don't, and you just fancy it, or you think I might do a plan, or you don't refer back to it, and you don't have someone to beat you up accountability wise, don't bother. But if you really freaking want it, follow those steps and you'll crush it. Simplicity is genius. Chris, massive thank you um, for all that you've brought this morning from Sam, I and all, all the listeners. We really appreciate you, you, you giving up your time. I think the, any listener will have been furiously writing notes and should be implementing this stuff immediately. So massive thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me, Mark. And uh, shout out to Michael Bailey for you seeing his face this morning. He's everywhere um, and he follows everything <laughs> we've said today. He's, I think he's the number one agent in Keller Williams at the moment. We, we, we're trying to keep him on that, that plan and that trajectory, which is really, really exciting. It's obviously, we're exploring as an organisation. He does everything we've discussed today, every single thing. I'm hoping he's not listening, fingers crossed. <laughs> Cheers, Chris. Nice one. Thanks, Mark. And that's a thank you to Chris Buckler from Keller Williams for joining us today. Um, for me, it's always fantastic to speak to people who are passionate and energetic about this industry. And I think for 
everything that Chris said there, the thing that came across is that he absolutely loves this industry and he genuinely wants the agents that work within it to improve and um, allow our reputation to improve as well, I think. There's, you know, you might not agree, as, as he as he said throughout through that, you might not agree with everything he said there. Um, and obviously he's very passionate about the company that he works for as well. But there's a couple of things that I just want to pull out and discuss very quickly because um, I don't particularly like doing these reviews on my own. I don't think it's anywhere near as good if you've not got someone to bounce off. And I have had that feedback as well. So if you are listening and have given me that feedback, thanks guys, I really appreciate that. Um, one of the things that Chris started with in on obviously the world-class, his, his answer to the world-class agency was treat clients as if they're family. And he talked about not pushing through the exchange or not pushing through the sale when actually a bit more time could benefit the clients. And I think that, you know, sometimes lost, you know, I always say, uh, when I'm going to meet a client for the first time, I give you the, the advice that I would have myself. And I've been brought up in business to treat people as I expect them to be treated. And I don't think that happens enough within, within our industry. So I think it's you know, quite a basic principle, but actually could stand you in really good stead as an agent to treat those clients as if they are your family members. Um, he talks about getting the best price for clients that the market will allow and earning decent fees. We went quite deep into fees, as as you probably would would expect from somebody like Chris, who is operating in in the sort of market that he's he's operating in. He talked about the best agents practicing scripts a couple of times a week, which sounds like an awful lot, doesn't it? But I mentioned that that quote that uh, amateurs practice till they get it right, professionals practice till they can't get it wrong, and I think that's really really important. Where you think the script when you're sat in evaluation or the scripts when you're negotiating an offer are so, so important. So I think it is, it is you know, imperative that we do practice till we can't get it wrong. Because if you get it wrong for a client, then it's going to cost you, it's going to cost them thousands of pounds um, in, in money potentially. So I think that was really good. He mentioned something um, around fees about removing limiting beliefs. And I think that again is, is really important. If you're already listening to the podcast, you've already got that growth mindset, I would, I would suggest. So go out and remove those limiting beliefs and um, don't just push your feet up, but also go out and earn the amount that you are, you are charging. I think some agents think that, oh, right, we're just going to push our fees up overnight. It's not that you've got to, as Chris said, work out your value proposition and then you've got to actually earn earn that amount. Um, I wrote down a quote here that that I think Chris said it was one of his favourite quotes. It certainly you know um, took me. Um, well, as, as Sam would say, maybe sit up in my chair. People don't decide their futures; they decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. And that's so important. So we talked about time blocking. You get into the habit of time blocking, working to your schedule, and doing it. That is a habit that has the potential to decide your future. Um, Chris also talked about know your competitors, know your customers, um, and he definitely talked about knowing your your data, your numbers, your ratios. Um, so a couple of things that you can you can take. If you don't know your competitors, if you don't know what your customer is, if you don't know who your customer is, how can you decide on your value proposition is, is what I would say. So if you, you know, there's loads to take out of today, but if you haven't sat down and thought, right, who's my ideal customer? What do they look like? Have they got a persona? Have they got a name? Does everyone in the office know who, who they are? If you don't know that, then you've, the, you know, there's probably elements to your value proposition that you can um, Im improve on. Um, and then Chris talked at, at depth about 
accountability and a coach. And I think that's so, so important. We've, we've had a business coach this year and it's had such a drastic impact in our, in our business. I'm really looking forward to you know, seeing where that can go in the future. And Chris said that he's got a coach for, they say, nutrition, personal training coach, mindfulness coach. There's the most successful people in life have a coach in numerous elements of their life. And most, or I'm saying not most, but probably quite a lot of people have worked with a coach in sport or something like that, but maybe not in business. Um, and I think the accountability of the breakfast of champions is a bit American, but I think that is a really, a really key thing that a coach can bring that accountability so that you are not just thinking, oh, do you know what, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You actually know, right, I've got to do it today because first thing tomorrow I'm jumping on a call with the coach and he's going to ask me, have I done that? And whilst it might be a coach might be expensive and Chris talked about earning in his three times I think the accountability side of things is one of the most important and that doesn't have to be expensive that can be just somebody within the office um holding you accountable or you holding a, a colleague accountable within within the office I think the accountability part of the coaching is something that actually doesn't have to cost anything um but obviously you know the professionals charge the fees they charge for a reason but I think the accountability side of things is something that you can implement into your business straight away um just on the back of this um this this podcast and final thing I want to I want to talk about is um, Chris talked about millimeter improvements and it's something that I've spoken about with our our team here is that often you're not a hundred if you miss a listing you're not a hundred percent worse than the agent that it went to you can't be so actually some people can get overwhelmed by thinking my God we're going to improve a hundred percent but actually Chris said a millimeter improvements I say you know you don't have to improve 100%, but you could you could make numerous 1% improvements, and it could be those 1% improvements that actually tip the dial over to your um, to your favour. So Chris talked about uh, millimetre improvements in the pitch. That might be a millimetre improvement by practising the script, you know, once a week, twice a week, whatever that might be. So don't be overwhelmed by thinking, right, I've got to change all of my um, value proposition in line with the customers actually it could just be a couple of things there could be some quick wins in there that could just improve you that two three percent then actually you know go out there and win you that listing to take you to the next level that you want to want to grow to next year so um hopefully you found uh, today's episode interesting there's loads of key takeaways in in there for me but i'm talking to myself so i'm not going to go on and on and um, a massive thank you once again to to chris Buckler for joining us today as you know we do this because we love our industry we want to see it improve and get better Chris, Chris mentioned, reach out to him on social media. If there is anything that he talked about that you want um, access to, he's happy to share that. Um, please reach out to him. Take advantage of that. I'm Mark Warrell. He's not been Sam Hunter. He's already on a plane. Um, thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next week with our new guest host.